Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Made to Create. I am here with Cody, who you've heard from on this podcast before. Hi. And we are here with a, another very special guest. And even if you haven't heard his name, you absolutely know his work. He is an artist, writer, animator, story consultant, creative writing instructor, and keynote speaker, just to name, you know, a few things. Yeah, just a few. Um, He began his professional career at 19 years old as an animator for a little show that might ring a bell called The Simpsons, and eventually moved on to Pixar, where he worked as an animator for many of the films that have and continue to capture our hearts, like the Toy Story films, Finding Nemo, Up, Cars, Ratatouille, Monst- the, the Monsters University, and a lot more, all of which Cody's definitely cried at. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> That's okay. Me too. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce our guest for today, Mr. Matthew Lunn. Hello. Thank you for inviting me on the show. Yes. Thank you for being here. I'm glad that we could make this happen. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's um, let's just go ahead and dive right in. I know I've got a lot of questions and I was just personally, there was a lot about your career that I, I didn't know. And a lot of things, I, I think there's a lot of great lessons and a lot of wisdom in in the journey that you've had so far. So I'm excited for our listeners to be able to glean some of that wisdom from you. Okay, sounds great. Hit me. I'm ready. All right. So, um, well, I mean, we just kind of talked about you've had, you know, quite the career so far. Um, but from what I was reading, it's it almost because I, I did a little bit of research. Um, mm-hmm. And it sounded like really you you almost didn't have a chance to be anything other than a creative person based on, um, I know, you know, some of your, your family was, was, um, pretty supportive in, in kind of fostering some of that creativity. And I know there's, um, I won't give away too much of your story, but I know like there's uh, a family toy store that's kind of, um, it sounds like was a big influencer. So maybe can you just start us off there and tell us a little bit about, about that? Well, you know, um, yeah, like like you mentioned, I, I had a, a, a very creative uh, childhood. Uh, I hope everybody had a creative childhood out there. Mm-hmm. But um, my, my mom and dad owned the most uh, toy stores in the San Francisco Bay Area when I grew up. There was about wow. 10 of them. And uh, so you can imagine what life was like for me growing <laughs> up where so- you, you get unlimited toys. You know? Yeah, it sounds idyllic. I mean, what more? It's like literally every kid's dream, right? I, I know. It's either, you know, that your family owns 10 toy stores or 10 candy stores. But right. it's one of those. <laughs> um, but the thing is that um, my my parents owned and ran the toy stores as well, but mm-hmm. they didn't start them. Actually, my grandparents uh, owned and ran the toy stores before them. And then my great grandparents owned and ran the toy stores before they did. So this has been going on for a long time. Um, the toy stores called Jeffrey's toys are actually, uh, still up and running and the oldest, uh, toy store in San Francisco. So it's amazing. Been going on for a while. Um, but my dad actually uh, did not want to take over the toy stores. He wanted to be a Disney animator. 
And when I came along, and like most kids, I like to draw, um, he, he saw, you know, one of my little doodles, and he basically made a decision for me that I'm going to live his dream, <laughs> and I'm the chosen one. So yeah. uh, all of my dad's energy uh, was focused on little Matthew uh, learning how to draw, being exposed to art and movies, comics, uh, forget about school, forget about sports. <laughs> Uh, we're just going to create and growing up in that kind of atmosphere, you know, that's absolutely what happened. I, I fell in love with drawing and art and movies mm -hmm. and, and I ended up, uh, going to a art college in Los Angeles called the California Institute of the Arts, Cal Arts for short. Mm -hmm. And, um, this was the place where people who were interested in animation and filmmaking work uh, went to. It was a place that mm -hmm. Walt Disney created. And um, uh, pretty much when you, when you watch uh, TV shows that have been made in the last 25 years or so and movies, and you actually went and looked at those people who have uh, been the writers and animators and storyboard artists, uh, uh, a majority of them and directors, a majority of them went to Cal Arts, and mm, okay. so I really landed uh, in the in in the perfect place uh, right out of high school when I was eighteen. Awesome. And um, and then, like you mentioned, I uh, I I got spotted by a director on The Simpsons. Mm -hmm. uh, he was uh, walking through Cal Arts looking for new employees because The oh, Simpsons. Wow. It was on the air for about two years now, and the animation industry had just kind of crawled out of its grave because mm -hmm. uh, animation was in such a bad place in the uh, kind of early 80s. And, and so all of a sudden, the Simpsons TV show is, is going crazy. Everybody loves it, and they needed more employees. And... Gotcha. Thank God I was in the right place at the right time because <laughs> I, uh, I got offered a job to be an animator on the third season of The Simpsons. Oh, my gosh. And so I, young, uh, too. That must have just been oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, surreal. Well, you know, I, I, um, I have a 20-year-old son. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's like it, it, was, it was really a, a dream come true. And also mm -hmm. there was, you know, I think all of a sudden I have to get an apartment. It, right. there's, there's all kinds of, of crazy stuff going on. But it was awesome. But, uh, and you can imagine how happy my dad was. And, oh um, but then uh, I, I stumbled into a room at The Simpsons where all the writers were putting together the scripts. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where my story uh, took a different direction than where my dad's story would have gone. Gotcha. Because that's when I saw that the, the episodes of The Simpsons, while I loved mm -hmm. the, the designs and the, the simplified animation, really what made those episodes so great were the stories. 
And so I really wanted to be a part of that. And, and so when the Simpsons asked me if I would stay on for a fourth season, uh, I actually passed when I got another job offer at a, uh, a startup company in the San Francisco Bay area called Pixar. Which is so funny to think of that as a, a startup oh. because it's just so well known now, right? Oh my gosh. Um, yes. And that was just like a, so you were with the Simpsons for what, about a year? Is that right? Yeah. Yep. I worked on the third yeah. season of the Simpsons, which is really the best season of all the Simpsons shows. Uh, <laughs> of course, obviously. So I was very proud to be a part of that. But my, my heart was really about the storytelling side. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I should share this with the listeners out there, but drawing has always been really, really hard for me. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I know everyone's like, yeah, right. But first off, yeah. my, dad was, my dad was an amazing artist. So he was a really, really good cartoonist. He was the one who was really destined to be an animator Mm. because he, you know, some people just have that natural born talent. It wasn't like that for me. I, I had to really work for it. And so when I really saw, you know, when I really realized what I love about film and animation, all that stuff. It was the storytelling part. And so when I took mm. this job at Pixar, actually, they weren't going to hire me as a story artist. They, they also saw a film I made at the college, and they were hiring me because they liked the animation, and they liked my sense of timing and everything. And I said, okay, well, I'll come in to do that, <laughs> but, but I really want to work in story. And they said, okay, well, if, if the film does well, we'll... we'll we'll see how it works and we can move you, move, move you into the story department, like at the lowest position, you know? And, and had you, had you done anything around, cause I mean, it sounds like you, you know, you did like while you were in school, this, right. um, some, some animation, I mean, did you have any experience with, with this, the story writing process or was that just something no. where you were looking at that and folks doing that and thinking, you yeah, I think I could do that. Well, you know, when I was in college my first year uh, at CalArts, you, you are required to make a, a short animated film. It's something, mm-hmm. you know, from like a minute to five minutes long. It's kind of like your thesis project for mm-hmm. everybody else who goes to a regular school, right? And right. so you take all your classes. You take your animation classes, your character design classes, your storyboarding classes. But on top of it, you're also supposed to complete this one to five minute animated short. And, Mm. you know, I, I didn't, I didn't think that, um, I had a talent in storytelling, but while Mm -hmm. I was at college, uh, I saw that more and more people were coming to me to ask advice on helping them with their animated short. And, Ah. and so I guess I had some natural talent uh, with storytelling and, and, but, you know, seeing that at the Simpsons was just like, wow, that's cool. That looks like fun. I want to do that. And then when I was at Pixar, the whole reason why I ended up taking the job 
was because um, I, I I heard the pitch for the story for Toy Story, and I was so moved. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it. I, I love animation, and this was there was no prince or princess, there was no fairy tale village, mm-hmm. there was no happy I want numbers and uh, song right. numbers, and it was just so different and and also very emotionally moving. And I, yeah. I, I just heard a 10-minute pitch of the story. And so I just felt like this, this, uh, this is something I'm going to be a part of. And so my, my job on Toy Story was actually animating those little green army men, the little soldiers. And, and then I started animating Woody and Buzz. Mm-hmm. And then um, the whole movie got shut down. Oh my goodness. Uh-huh. I, I, I read that and I, yeah. I was so shocked. I had no idea. Yeah. So, you know, um, for a small animation studio to make something that's going to be released in movie theaters, there's a lot mm-hmm. of components. First off, make sure the story's good, execute it with good animation and character designs. And, but then there's also the part of the distribution and the marketing. There's like mm-hmm. a whole business to getting your film into theaters and getting rental space on billboards and uh right. and commercial time on you know during the super bowl and all that and and even though the animation industry was just kind of you know getting revived still the number one animation company in the world was disney and so yeah. um when pixar little little startup Pixar company uh, was getting started. They still, the only way they could have done that was they, they made a deal with the Disney company uh, for the Disney company to do the marketing and distribution. um, And they would get a percentage of the profits for the film. Mm -hmm. Well, the Disney company was, you know, they would still check in to see where the story was going. And they just felt that first off, Woody was not likable. And, um, and who, first off, it was a challenge. It was the first CG animated film, you know, Mm -hmm. so are people really going to watch it? And also the name of the film, Toy Story, you know, Disney films really try to reach all ages and all genders. They felt Uh that the name was too juvenile, that people were not going to watch something with the, with toy in it. Um, that sounds like a baby film. So, well, and it's so funny too because you, Cody, and I were talking about this last night. I was like, you know, there's something almost like just so strange that you come from this, you know, this family of toys, you know, the toy yeah. story. Uh, I can't I know. talk right Don't now. Don't worry, toy, toy story owners. Toy story. Yes. I know. <laughs> um, but but that that is a part of your your family history, and then you end yeah. up working. I know on a film called Toy Story. <laughs> it's like, Very, you know what? There, it's, it's one there's of just something, something in the universe about that, directing that. I know. It is, uh, it's interesting. <laughs> and, uh, right, right. Well, but you know what? When, when, um, when the whole production shut down and Toy Story shut down, basically the only people that were kept were, the small story team, which I wasn't a part of. I wish I was, but I was one mm-hmm. of the 12 animators. So that the movie got shut down. The animators got 
let go. And uh, the story team stayed on because they had to fix the story with the hopes that the movie uh, would still happen. Because the Disney company Mm kind of gave an ultimatum to Pixar saying, you know, you have, I can't remember if it was like a month to turn around the whole story. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you can't, that's, we're sorry, guys, that's it. And so the director of the film, and I'm not kidding you, with tears in his eyes, uh, basically because he he was feeling like this was the end of his career too. Mm-hmm. Apologized to all of us because he felt bad that he pulled us all away from opportunities of things we were working on. You know, I left my job at mm-hmm. The Simpsons, and so many other people left their jobs. So when he let us go, um, I ended up thinking to myself, "Well, I, I've I I got to get another job," you know. I'm 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 right. like currently living with my parents again. So I went to college, now I'm back living with my parents, working this this job at Pixar, and you know, and and so I ended up taking a job as an animator at a studio called Industrial Light and Magic. They're the ones mm-hmm. that make basically the Lucas films, and I worked as yeah. an animator on a little film called Casper the Friendly Ghost, and. Uh-huh. Uh, which was cool. And there was a lot of stuff I learned there. Uh, you know, I, I would have to say um, one thing I learned was that the atmosphere at Pixar, the culture was very fun. <laughs> and mm-hmm. the atmosphere yeah. at ILM was not so fun. It was a lot of people who were uh, pretty upset that um, the film industry was just starting to transition into CG animation. Because the people at the mm-hmm. Lucas Company were all the ones doing the stop motion animation, you know that cool, cool yeah, stuff, yeah. hands on making creatures and puppets, and they were starting to see that punks like me in their early twenties <laughs> were going to basically change the industry to being all in a computer, and right there, there was there was a kind of a changing of the guards that was happening and. People were not happy there. Um, yeah. But as I worked as an animator on Casper the Friendly Ghost, while I liked the characters and I liked the story, Steven Spielberg was the producer on it, um, or maybe even the director, I can't remember. But but just the mood of the studio, uh, it just was such a downer that – after about six months, I left. And after that, I really didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, mm-hmm. Toy Story hadn't continued yet. I couldn't really go back to Cal Arts because school was already in session. And so I decided to start applying for small freelance jobs in the Bay Area as a storyboard artist and, uh, and, a, and a story writer. And it was at small animation studios that were making things like serial commercials and fast food commercials Mm -hmm. and obscure TV shows for kids. And I worked on everything from, now I'm remembering, which was really weird. It was like uh, Apple Cinnamon Cheerios commercials, uh, um, Carl's Jr. commercials. I I, I even uh, drew up the very first pass of the McDonald's website. (laughs) 
<laughs> I didn't even know oh, what a wow. website was yet. Um, <laughs> and they, they wanted it to be kind of a fun, playful, cartoony look. So I did that first pass. And, but, but the good thing was I was starting to get practice doing storytelling. I was doing storyboarding, coming up with gags. Mm -hmm. And I had a couple of really good mentors um, during this time at these animation studios that were very small commercial studios. Uh, one of them was called Colossal Pictures. Another one was called Wild Brain. They were all in San Francisco. And, and then um, I, I just kind of held in there. It wasn't paying a lot. Um, I was also mm -hmm. working temp jobs, you know, like a, I would get called by this company to say you need to be, you know, like um, the, the secretary, um, you know, at a health uh, company today. And I would go in and just uh -huh. read a book and buzz people into the office. <laughs> so, <laughs> funny. but I really felt like I don't know where things are going as I'm constantly kind of, you know, calling Pixar. How's it going, guys? Mm -hmm. Everything all right? And <laughs> and and then I finally did get a call. Maybe about I don't know, a couple months later, and I got an offer back as um, as an animator again uh, on mm -hmm. on Toy Story. But at this point, I had already really kind of practiced doing storyboarding and writing and, and, and said, could I really come in as a story person instead? I've got like these, these small jobs I'm doing and, and I, and I, I really want to keep doing this. And they said, no, they said, we don't know if Toy Story is going to do well. And we don't even have another film in development. And so we don't have anything right now. And so I passed on going back. Oh my goodness. And I really felt I blew it. And, and then they did, they did say if anything ever came up, they'd let me know. But it didn't look like anything was going to happen. And, and some of the story commercial work I was doing started to dry up. And I started taking odd jobs like I was teaching cartoon classes for kids at recreation centers mm -hmm. And uh, I was helping out in the children's ministry at a church. And I, I, I kept, every time I did story work or storyboarding, I would, I would uh, put it in a portfolio and I send it to Pixar, you know? <laughs> and then Toy Story, and then Toy Story came out in 1995 and it was a hit. And, and then I got a call back from Pixar saying, they're going to make Toy Story 2, and they'd like for me to come on as one of the story team. That's I, I, I love that so much because I think often what we see portrayed is just when things are going well, right? Yeah. So you see these, you know, folks that are, are, have made it big or they're, even if they haven't made it big, just what it's so easy to portray that persona on especially now with social media yeah. and there's you know because that's that's natural we want to like post what what's going well but right. the the thing about that and and what i really try and bring out through this podcast is is the full story right because there's nothing inspirational about like 
perfectly staged photos or, or anything like that yeah. on, on, on Instagram or, or wherever. But what the thing that really moves people, I think, is is being able to hear and relate with with their struggle and their perseverance. And that's that's everything that I'm hearing from, you know, even thus yeah. far in your story. I'm happy you stopped me at that part of the story because, you know, uh, a lot of times because of our own fear of being abandoned or not being accepted mm-hmm. or not belonging, we tend to want to gloss over the, uh, the down times or the struggles in our life uh, mm-hmm. because we're worried if, if people will still accept us, you know, right. and but the thing is that even when you watch a movie and you see the hero on the screen, you know, as a writer, I know it's important to not just show the character succeeding throughout the whole film because that makes the most boring character in the world. Right. You right. want to see the character struggling and suffering as they're trying to overcome obstacles to reach whatever their goal is. And Mm -hmm. if the main character just gives up and throws their hands up and goes, it's too hard. I give up. (laughs) Then you're just like, I don't like this character. (laughs) But right. Yeah. Yeah. But when you see the character not give up and they persevere, you, you really root for them even more. And, you know, so I think, you know, for me and I just, for all those people out there, you know, there's going to be times where it just seems like all is lost. But uh, you've, you've, I mean, you've got to keep persevering. You know, I know it's not always easy, and but you, you got to not give up. And I know you talk about in in your workshops, right? The idea about embracing fear and failing is really just a part of the process, and yeah. and that seems to be anyone who who I've spoken to who's really leaned into their creative process, whether they monetize it, whether they, you know, allow other people to experience it or see it, that's always a part of it. Right. And so I think yeah. that's so important to acknowledge that because there's even in that failing when when we share that, I think it, it kind of goes back to to this idea of hope. Right. And which yeah. I think is part of what makes these characters, whether it's it's a, a children's animated film or it's, um, you know, a, a film with with, you know, live people in it. Right. It's um, we can all relate to that. I, that idea of of really needing hope. I mean, the, yeah. everybody needs that. Well, you know, one of the things you want in a hero in a story whether it's a film book for kids or adults or whatever is you, you want your character, even at the beginning to be likable. It doesn't Mm -hmm. mean they have to be perfect though. They just have to be likable enough to be relatable so that the audience will want to stick it out with them to see uh, if they're going to reach their goal or not. You know, mm-hmm. and so, you know, I, like I mentioned, I, I definitely kept uh, being the squeaky wheel and every, <laughs> every, every time I'd get a new storyboard that I completed for something like 
I, I worked on something called Felix, the, the Twisted Tales of Felix the Cat. It was like an updated yeah. Felix the Cat cartoon on TV. And I did storyboards for them. And every time I'd, I'd, I'd complete a new storyboard scene or whatever, I would mail that into Pixar just so they'd remember I still existed, you know? And, <laughs> and, uh, and yes, they did hire me to work as the first storyboard artist on Toy Story 2. And it was, it was a three-month trial at first. It was, um, mm-hmm. you know, if this works out, we'll keep you. If not, you know, we're going to have to let you go. And I just, I just really, I, I, I put all of my energy to, to doing a good job. And, and along with um, working now full-time back at Pixar as a storyboard artist, I also ended up continuing to take, I started going back and taking life drawing classes at the Academy of Art in San Francisco in the evenings and on the weekends, just so I could compete with the other artists that were at the studio. Because like I mentioned, the drawing part's always been a struggle for me. The uh, Mm -hmm. coming up with um, creative solutions or ideas or problem solving that's always been kind of a unique gift that I've had, but the drawing part and executing it uh, has not. That has always been a struggle, and but but fortunately they kept me on three months afterwards on Toy Story two, and kept me on for twenty more years. So thank wow. God. And you know, uh, from every film I worked on, um, which. You know, I could work on a film for maybe a year or maybe two and a half years. Um, Every time I went on a film, I worked with uh, another set of storyboard artists and writers, and I would learn from them. You know, every time I worked on another project, because um, it's very easy to get creatively burnt out doing anything for 20 years, even when it's working at an awesome company like Pixar making films that you're proud of, you can still have creative burnout. And um, one of the things I I did, because, you know, after you work on your first film, like Toy Story 2, that was awesome. Everything was new on that film. So two and a half years I worked on it. Um, There was nothing boring about that at all. (laughs) There was no creative burnout at all (laughs) because it was like, it was your, the, the first and then yeah. when I started working on Monsters, Inc., then it was kind of like, you know, you took a sigh, a sigh, a, a breath after Toy Story 2 came out. And then they, they said, all right, everybody, are you ready? Let's get running again. <laughs> and you're like, what? I could, I'm like, I'm exhausted. And, <laughs> and but no, we've, we're not going to just put out a movie every three years now. We're going to put out a movie two years. And then it turned into yeah. every year. And then it turned into two a year. <laughs> and so the company wow. did continue to grow, but the turnaround on everything increased every project. And so every project, what I did was I kind of gave myself a new challenge. Like I'm going to learn how to um, come up with gags better, or I'm going to learn mm. how to write dialogue better, or I'm going to learn more about uh, composing a shot and really study cinematography. Uh, so I, 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 
I gave myself personal goals on each film to focus on. And usually those goals were in response to uh, if my manager or HR people, when they do your review, they hopefully go, mm-hmm. you're awesome. And then say, and these are two things we'd like for you to work on, right? So yeah, I kept um, being a student, just like I was in school, getting feedback from my teachers. And then how can I push myself more? And, mm. um, and I would continue to take those art classes. <laughs> uh, I think, I, think I, I, I probably stopped doing those when my son was born. And then I was actually like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I, can, I can do something else on the weekends. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but, but that, it, was, it, was, it was awesome. Yeah, what like what you just described is such an amazing way to keep perfecting your craft. Like you you're already in the job that you want, but you keep saying, "Okay, well, how can I be more? How can I uh learn more?" And I I just think that that's really helpful for anybody out there that's uh doing creative things. Um yeah. And then <laughs> I think it's just it's funny hearing you talk just personally <laughs> like mm. how much of your work like was peppered throughout my childhood. <laughs> yeah. uh, it makes me very happy when people do say that because, uh, you know, when you're working on these films, uh, it is pretty grueling and exhausting. Um, I'll just I'll just give you a, just a little bit of insight here. Um, it, when you are in a crunch, which can go for weeks or a month, you will get all meals at work breakfast, lunch, and dinner, which sounds awesome at first because you're like, yay, I don't have to make my food and I don't have to pay for my food. Um, they would do your laundry. They, uh, If you need your car washed because you haven't gotten your car washed for a while, they have people come into the parking lot to wash your car. And so basically that all sounds really awesome to everybody out there, right? But basically what it means is like you are on lockdown and you're not going anywhere. <laughs> until this is all done and right. so you basically don't have a life outside of work which if you have friends in there that's awesome which i did but but you also have friends outside and family and and air and the sky and so you want to get out every once in a while um but but you know when the movie does come out and you see, uh, you know, people enjoy what you worked on. And when I go mm-hmm. to a movie with something I've worked on, and I've already seen the movie, I can't help but just sit in the audience and just kind of, you know, throughout the movie, look at how people are reacting. Did they think that was funny? Or did <laughs> are they going to cry at this part that's coming out in one minute? Let me just look at that person right there, see if he does it, you know? And oh my goodness. and then when you see when the movie comes out, not just the critics saying it's good or whatever, but actually seeing like a kid, you know, being dropped off at school, holding on to a Woody doll. And you're like, oh, yeah. dang, it worked, you know, <laughs> like and that's so cool. it, it it's yeah. So all of that is very it's very rewarding but you know but the thing is too and this really goes for i guess almost 
any industry, not just art or animation or film, you you really are, uh, you know, <laughs> definitely in the public's eye. You're definitely mm-hmm. remembered uh, for the last thing you worked on. So yeah, when you come out with something awesome and and people love it, it's great. Enjoy it. savor it uh because if you come out with something afterwards which people don't like um and maybe you don't even like uh then that's what they remember you for is the last thing you, Mm -hmm. you put out and so it's almost like this um it's a tricky thing because you you want to make something great because it's important to you and, and, and you want people to enjoy it, but, but it almost becomes like, you know, you can't wait to get on that next film to do the next film. Cause you want to have that same feeling again, you know? And, mm-hmm. and it's hard for people. I, I think about people in sports that they reach a point eventually where their body just can't keep doing it, you know? Um, and, you know, I think about that Kobe Bryant um, animated short called Dear Basketball that was animated mm-hmm. by Glenn Keane, who was the animator for Ariel and The Beast and Beauty and the Beast and stuff. And, and basically, that's a story about, like, uh, when an athlete has to kind of let it go, you know, because they've, they've reached a point where their body can't keep doing it, you know. And... And I do see this happen a lot in, um, in the film business, the, the ability to be able to keep going nonstop when you're in your early twenties mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have no family, no children, yeah. maybe a cat, maybe a goldfish, uh, the company will do everything for you, clean your clothes, feed you. And, um, but then gosh you know when you're when 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 you're getting older it's it's hard to f- really physically keep up with that kind of turnaround you know yeah and uh i don't know why i i i went this direction <laughs> in this but i guess it's because i'm just thinking about myself now you know it's like i have three kids now uh 48 and it's you know, your priorities start to change um, yeah. in, in different chapters of your life. And so, you know, I ended up leaving Pixar after 20 years and wow. uh, worked on 10 films, specials, shorts. And it was a combination of a couple of things. But one of them was um, the, the turnaround on these films we're just reaching kind of an unhealthy place. And, and then also I I started to uh, long to be working on different projects that weren't necessarily just animated films. And uh, Pixar was really good about letting you work on personal projects outside the company. Like I made, Mm -hmm how to draw books for kids. I would teach these story animation workshops. But, but when I started getting uh, other companies like Sony or Warner Brothers or the BBC 
wanting me to do story consulting for them, um, that was a problem. The Disney company would not be okay with that because that's like competitors. And, but the idea of taking everything I'd learned uh, on 10 films at Pixar to be able to help make a really cool live action documentary or a really cool video game or uh, help another animated film. All of a sudden, that sounded really exciting to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's when I felt that um, this might be a good transition place for me. It would give me some more time for, for my family and also uh, a new challenge for myself. And, and so that's, that's what I've been doing now. And that's actually great um, transition to one of our questions. Uh, how, how do you as a creative person, you have so many creative endeavors that you've been a part of. You've, you have so many um, ways in which you express your creativity. Um, so the two questions on my mind are, how do you manage all that with, with family? And then yeah. leading into what, what is your creative process for each of those types of expression of creativity? Is it different? Is it the yeah. same? Um, yeah. So those are kind of the two, sure. two things we'd love to hear about. Hey there. I am so excited for you to hear Matthew's answers to Cody's questions. But before we get into that, I wanted to pop in and tell you about some new exciting things that are happening with Made to Create. So we are officially now a Love Your Labor affiliate. And Love Your Labor is a natural birth program that you can do all from the comfort of your own home. They've got some online videos and workbooks that you can go through on your own or with your partner. And this is really exciting because we actually use this program when we are having our second baby and it was priceless. It was such a huge help. We really wanted to have a natural birth and this program is a a big reason why we were able to do that. And so if that seems like something that you or somebody you know is wanting to do, I cannot recommend this program more. With our first baby, we even hired a doula and although that was great too, I felt so much more prepared and ready to have a natural birth through this program. And even if a natural birth is not something that you are wanting to do, this really helps you just get prepared and be able to get in the right mind space for when labor starts and you're ready to welcome your little kiddo into the world. So if this seems like something that you or somebody that you know would be interested in, you can go to our show notes and the link to the webinar will be posted right there. So without further ado, let's get back to our conversation with Matthew Lunn. Well, you know, my wife and I, uh, we're both creative people. We're, we're both storytellers. We both went to school for animation. Um, and we also have three kids together. And we, um, we know that the most important thing for us and our family is our family. <laughs> you know, it's we, we love creating. We are artists. We can't make that disappear. But at the forefront of what's important to us always is our relationship, our kids. We know that, that that's 
you know, in the end, that's what really counts. And so my wife and I, um, we always kind of juggle uh, our schedules. It usually goes by whoever is having the most busy life at the time. The other person kind of um, holds down the fort a little bit, which is challenging because my wife works full time and she's still at Pixar. And so, um, you know, uh, so there'll be times where I'm asked to do uh, to, to be a consultant on an animated film in L.A. And then I'm in L.A. for two weeks, you know, staying in a, a hotel and, and 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 consulting on a movie. And then she's home watching the kids and going to work at Pixar <laughs> and and we currently do not have a nanny. And so we, <laughs> we, we just kind of, we, we kind of just do the best we can. And, and then when she's super busy, like she just animated a, uh, an 11 minute, I don't think you really can call it a short. It's almost more like a special, um, on, mm. uh, it's on Disney plus right now. It's called lamp life and it's starring Bo and what happened to Bo in between toy story two and toy story four. So she wrote and directed I was, that. I was curious. Yeah. I was curious what happened to her. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you should watch it. It's really good. And uh, <laughs> so we we just kind of uh, protect each other, you know, and and we're here to support one another. And so what I would say is that we, we have to be very um, strategic about organizing our time, setting aside mm-hmm. time that's for family. So for example... Everybody out there listening, we actually, um, we put away all our phones and our computers. Uh, we first did just for Sundays, but then we started doing it for the whole weekend. So we basically, we shut down. We don't check anything. No social media, no emails from work. We're just done. We, we kind of log out probably late Friday night, and we don't go back on till maybe late, late Sunday night. Um, but. Awesome. We just we just protect our time with with our family and 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 then when I'm working on my projects, you know, if if it's going to be you know my week to kind of drop drop my kids off at school, then once they're mm-hmm. at school, you know, and I I come back home, I have pretty much from like you know, let's say nine thirty a.m. until I pick them up at maybe around four p.m. or something. So I don't mess around during the day. I'm like, I'm getting to work. So like right now I'm working on a screenplay. And so that period of time while the kids are at school, um, I will end up working on my screenplay and it's really hard because, you know, four o'clock may roll around and I'm like, so in the creative process, I don't want to (laughs) stop, you know? But yeah. but I can't exactly. leave my kids stranded at a school, so um, <laughs> I, I I have to stop and go. Okay, I'm gonna have to put this on hold until tomorrow, or if it's Friday, like today, till Monday, right? And mm. I think you know when I think of um, athletes, and I think about when you have an athlete like baseball go up to the plate. And, you know, they just whack at the ball that gets thrown at them 
and maybe they hit a home run. That's awesome. But, but a really good uh, baseball player is one when the coach says, okay, I need a grounder, not just an accidental home run, or I, need a, a, I, or I need you to hit it to third base. I think as an athlete or an artist, you, you need what really makes you a professional is, is as much as you can being able to turn it on or turn it off. And I know that's hard because artists are seen as floating muses or these creative beings. And when creativity strikes, you know, then you create. Mm -hmm. And then if you hit a creative block, you just sit and do nothing. Well, <laughs> for people who actually work in the industry and get paid, <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> you, you need to wake up uh, or, and say, I create now. <laughs> and when you do have those creative sparks that happen, yes, do write that down on a piece of paper or type it in your phone. But you're going to have to just put it on hold for a little bit. And... And then when I do hit a creative block where I'm just either, I'm just not in the mood, you know, or I just feel like I got nothing left to give. Uh, there are tricks you can do to make yourself feel creative. And that does not involve drugs. There are, <laughs> you know, uh, the release of endorphins is, is one of the key components to what makes you feel creative. And, you know, so when people think it's just accidental that you feel creative today, no, it's probably because, you know, you ate the right thing today, you exercised today, maybe you laughed a little more today. Because whenever you do one of those things like exercise, laugh, exercise can be anything from running on a treadmill, dancing, doing gardening, whatever, um, laughing, um, uh, Anything that kind of, uh, you know, takes you out of your, your regular world and just makes you relax for a little bit, that releases endorphins. And when re endorphins are released in your body, um, scientists know that it increases your focus. Uh, it, it, it makes you um, uh, feel more creative. And it just, the release of endorphins, it, it boosts trust. And it's, it's just a positive thing. And so whenever I am stuck, um, I'll go for a walk. I'll, I'll go run on a treadmill. I'll, I'll, I'll do something to get my endorphins up. And, you know, Steve Jobs was known for this. He was a walker. And whenever he had a meeting, he would do his meeting uh, with that person taking a walk. And one of the reasons mm. is because I think he knew that his ideas were going to come to him easier, 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 <laughs> and were going to flow better <laughs> if he was walking, if he was doing something to get his endorphins going. So, yeah, you know, if you're sitting on your butt all day, typing something into a computer or painting, you're not releasing a lot of endorphins, right? So yeah. Uh, yeah. take a break, stretch, do mm -hmm. yoga, do something to get your heart beating. And so that's one of the ways that I will help myself get out of a creative block. The, the other ones, um, 
are, are things like um, uh, taking yourself out of the uh, problem you're trying to solve at that moment and doing something different. And that can be anything. Mm. You know, uh, one of the things Pixar uh, uh, instituted because they saw a creative burnout was, like I said, they encouraged people to work on projects outside of work. So you don't lose your yeah. identity. You keep working on something that's important to you. And in turn, you bring it back to work. You're, you're, um, you're kind of, um, your your refilled creative soul, you know, and but but also um, just doing something that gets your mind off of it, and um, right. so they would they would actually give you an education stipend at Pixar to be able to uh, you know inspire you to go take cooking classes or sword fighting classes. Or go to Comic Con, or anything, just to get you away from the project at hand. And um, to quote Don Draper from Mad Men, uh, <laughs> when he was asked, "What do you do when you hit a creative block?" He said, "You know, focus all your attention on to the problem at hand. Look at all of the elements." Look at all the challenges, the limitations, focus on it really hard, and then completely let it all go and just do mm. something completely different. And your brain is going to continue working through the problem, even without you being aware of it. And then you will have that creative spark, which you'll go, hey, what if I did this instead? Right? And so that works for me. That's fascinating. It's really yeah. good stuff, man. Thank you. Well, thank you. <laughs> so, uh, I have a feeling you guys probably have more questions. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was great. I just, I like almost forgot that we were recording a podcast <laughs> and I thought I was just listening to one for, for a moment. Uh, um, but yeah, so I, from, from what I know is a lot of what you're doing right now, it's, it's, I, I think when we left off about your professional journey you're now you're you're doing you're not with pixar um and it seems like a lot of what you're doing is i know you're doing workshops and and things like that and really focusing in a lot on teaching others about story and storytelling yeah um so what is maybe just quickly tell us a little bit about what what that looks like or or what you're doing nowadays so um what i do is you know, I, I grew up in a business family. No way of getting around it. I uh, Every mm-hmm. person in my family, even the ones who didn't end up taking over the toy stores, have been entrepreneurs in some way, uh, uh, owning camera stores, uh, owning cigar shops. It's like it's all over the place. And so there's really no way <laughs> to get that kind of entrepreneurish spirit out of me. And yeah. And I also, uh, you know, realized that the the creative team at Pixar and the 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 team of story people and writers that I was a part of for those twenty years uh, that was a very unique thing. That wasn't normal. Yeah. And the culture that was at Pixar that that really started up and supported by Steve Jobs. That was unique and special. 
And, and I, uh, I, I wasn't setting out to do this, but I think it's because I got so many requests is people really wanted to know how could they end up transforming their animation studio or company to have that same type of creative culture that inspired right. people to um, come up with great ideas, enjoy their job, enjoy where they work, and learn about the principles of storytelling so that they could use that um, around their company, their products, their services, whether their product is a movie or it's a tennis shoe. And, yeah. and then how to be able to inspire people uh, to be able to know how to tell their own story. You know, one of the first things we always uh, ask each other when we become adults is, uh, so what do you do for a living? And, right. and that's a pretty good thing to rehearse, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and how do you want people to feel about the place you work? Do you want to be like, uh, yeah, I work in HR, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> right. you want people, like, how do you feel about your company? Shouldn't you represent it well? And, and so I go in and uh, I help a lot of these companies be able to learn about the principles of good storytelling and how these apply, um, to uh, what they do, whether it's 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 like I said, a, a movie or a product, and so I, mm -hmm. I I probably speak or do workshops, uh, probably maybe I probably do like seven to ten a month, and so that that keeps me busy there. And yeah, um, one one of the nice things is living in the San Francisco uh, Bay Area. A, a lot of those uh, tech companies are here, so that's an easy thing. That's an easy one-hour drive for me to to get down there uh -huh. to do work with Google or Apple or something. Uh, makes it a little more challenging when you know I, I'm flying to Germany to work with Adidas or or BMW <laughs> or something, right? But um, but it's actually fun because I do like challenges, and I've always been the kind of person that likes unlocking a story puzzle. And when I can mm. figure out how storytelling applies for something like a shoe or a car or a phone, yeah. um, it's a nice, fun uh, challenge. And, and then also, it's not just um, companies in um, uh, industries like this. There's also so many people that ask me to uh, give keynotes and workshops for um, uh, Places that are in uh, education and academics, and so I was just uh -huh. at the University of uh, Milwaukee two days ago, and giving a talk uh, to the entire school about what makes a great story. And so, hmm. and then, as you can imagine, I spend a lot of time on an airplane. And at first, right. when I started doing this, I was like, "Awesome! I get to watch every movie I want ever." <laughs> And, and then what happens is, then you're like, okay, I got a United flight today. I know they have 20 movies and I've seen 18 of them and two of them I don't want to watch. <laughs> and so then I was like, you know, this might actually be a very productive time for me to write. <laughs> and so I, uh, 
I ended up uh, writing a book and that was like my first project. And I, I set myself up. Um, this was, I think, two years ago. I said, I'm going to write a book on everything I've learned about the principles of storytelling and what makes a great story from what makes a great hero, the story structure, how to make it mm -hmm. authentic and make people cry and laugh and trigger their emotions. I'm going to put everything I know into a book. And the best name I could think of the book would was The Best Story Wins. And, and it was a book for all those people who don't get the opportunity to learn about storytelling like most people in entertainment get to or in the arts. Yeah. So I put that book out about two years ago, and uh, you can find it on Amazon and all those other book places. Mm -hmm. And then um, this year, 2020, uh, my next goal is to write some screenplays uh, with genres that I don't usually work in, like romantic comedies. You know, not a lot of romantic mm -hmm. comedies made at Pixar, actually zero. So right. <laughs> um, I'm very good at being able to craft a buddy story. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to make I'm going to make a romantic comedy, live action romantic comedy. I'm also going to, you know, work on a couple of other stories. And, and I've been through the process uh, working with other companies outside of Pixar, where I go and I pitch the ideas to Amazon and Netflix. And you do like a sales pitch, like you're a businessman, business person. And, right. um, and so uh, that's my goal this year is, is I'm going to be uh, writing these screenplays and then pitching them around. And I'm just having fun and see what see what happens from them, you know? That's awesome. And, and, you know, I can see, well, rather I can hear this theme in your entire journey, which has been around continuing to, to challenge yourself, continue to find something new, continue to not let that, that passion for creativity die out, which I think is largely due to the fact that you are um, always looking for, for, for something new and um, that's, that's, I think, probably it, the, the best advice that you can give a creative person. Yeah. You know, I think that um, a lot of us, we think to ourselves that once I pick something that is my dream that I want to do, like when mm -hmm. I was in high school, I, I wanted to be an animator. But your dreams throughout your life and these different goals you have um, can change. And, yeah. and it, it, it doesn't mean you ever have to be stuck in that same goal that you had when you were 18 unless, unless you, you enjoy it and that's what you want to keep doing. But, mm -hmm. but I think for me, um, I don't know, maybe it's due to like a, a fickle personality or something, but... <laughs> I, I, I end up getting interested in like another avenue of art, but it's still mm -hmm. all really art and storytelling. I'm just enjoying all the different parts of it, you know? Right. And, and also I, I do like to give myself a challenge to see if I can do something I haven't done before, you know? Yeah. And 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 I think this is something that will, you know, that keeps you alive as as a person. Because and I, I've thought about this a lot, 
there when you when you when you hear a story when the, a really great story there's there's been a couple of things that have been happening in storytelling forever ever before we could write it down or print a book or whatever and those things is that there's always a hero on a journey the oldest stories ever told you know mm-hmm. and and that hero has a goal and there's a set of obstacles. There's always these four things, a hero, a goal, obstacles, and, a, and the character going through a change. And I think that the reason why we continually uh, tell these stories is because that's the way our lives are or we want them to be. As soon as you no yeah. longer have a goal in your life, your story is kind of over. And that's not a good right. thing. <laughs> you want to continue yeah. to be giving yourself goals. And with every goal, there's a set of obstacles. It's not going to be easy. But, you know, right. I think that's one of those things that keeps us alive and happy and creative is we are constantly setting goals for ourselves, enjoying the ups and downs of accomplishing that goal or striving towards it. And, and when you're done and you reach that point where hopefully I, I, I end up (laughs) selling one of those screenplays and I'm not really concerned with the money part. I just want to get one of these made. Then you Mm -hmm. go through a transformation and through that journey, you've improved as a writer, you've improved as an artist. Um, I mean, that's that's part of the whole fun of life. Well, that's great. And that's such a good reminder. Um, and now I think we're going to, we're almost at the end, but we did have some some rapid fire questions okay. we want to give you. Uh, so, so these are just, some of them are, are a little bit funner and, and some, okay. none of it, you know, will require any, any, you know, lengthy responses or anything. Okay. They're just kind of quick little fun questions. Um, and then we'll, we'll wrap up after that. So okay. let's do it. All right. Cody, you want to do the first one? Sure. Um, what has been your favorite film to work on? Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> you want it more right, elaborate so what... than that or just is that quick enough? <laughs> or, no, that's great. perfect. Pretty much all the Toy Story films together, but Toy Story was the first. So, yes. <laughs> and then of, of all the, the things that you've done, what has been your greatest accomplishment? That as you perceive it. Well, you know, uh, I, I, I guess, you know, the creative answer would be the films I've worked on at Pixar. But I think mm-hmm. when I'm laying on my deathbed one day, <laughs> I will see that <laughs> really the thing that was most important to me that I felt that I was actually best at was being a dad. Oh, perfect. I love that. I'm a dad too. And I would concur. Um, (laughs) So who is a character you worked on that you most relate to? You know, I have been asked that. So I have given that some thought and I think it's, it's a combination of Woody and also Nemo's dad. And so, Ah. yeah, for Woody, it's, it's, you know, all those films are about Woody's failure being abandoned. He, he wants to be liked. He wants to be important. He wants to be relevant. 
something that I'm sure is relatable to all of us. And then right. the story with Nemo's dad, you know, wanting to to have his his only son be safe and secure, you know, to want the best for him, but but to an unhealthy place where he was smothering his son. And and so I think as you know, as a new parent, and my first my first child was a boy, um, mm-hmm. that was something I did, you know, and yeah. And uh, so it's really those two characters that have been the most relatable to me. Awesome. Um, okay, next question. What has been your biggest professional challenge? Huh. You know what? I would say the it, it, it probably would have been working on Toy Story 2, making the transition from animating to storyboarding and doing story work Um, Mm. because there was such a learning curve. And like I mentioned, I did not take that lightly uh, as I was continuing to take drawing uh, classes after I would finish storyboarding all day. But, But there was such a learning curve that, and there was so much at stake, I knew that if this didn't work out, I didn't know what I was going to do. So um, that that was definitely the most challenging creative time of my life. My, my friends and I at work would always joke around where, you know, all of us would, would you know, when you, when you work at someplace great, like a place like Pixar, uh, you can't help to feel inadequate all the time <laughs> even when everybody like your your art is in in those art of books and you know you're being interviewed and everybody thinks you're great you secretly still go back to your office and go someone is going to yell fraud any minute now and so <laughs> I can so relate with that <laughs> and so i remember my friends at work whenever you reach that that point where you're just like I don't know if this is going to work out. It's just like, just, just go to the bathroom and just cry, quietly cry in the stall, but don't show it in front of everybody else. You know, and so, you know, I think we all, we all have those doubts, those moments, and we just want to pretend we don't, but. <laughs> yeah, that, that leads us uh, well into the next question. So if there was something that you could do over again, what would it be? If I could do something over again. You or know, would you? What's that? I said, or would you? Is there anything you would do over well, again? You know, I think that most of the decisions I've made in my uh, creative career world have been have been what I would have stuck to I don't think I really would have changed much where I where I where I had pushed myself to the farthest limit that I could I don't think I could have pushed myself any further you know and mm-hmm. and when I felt it was time to transition out uh, although it felt um kind of uh sad um I think it was the best thing to do 
when when I look now of of what I get to do now and the creative freedom I have now and the opportunities I've had. So I think so far, so far I'm okay. I think those were all mm, my yeah. final decisions. So I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, our last rapid fire question right. is who is someone that you look to for inspiration? Oh gosh. You know, there, there, there's, a, there's a lot of people. There's like, you know, the people in the, the creative world. And I, I would say, man, this is, this is a, a little bit of a, a surprise, but one person, <laughs> Two people come to mind. All right, I'm going to try to keep this short. Mm -hmm. One, his name is Ward Kimball, and he was one of the the nine old men at the Disney studio. These were the guys who were there from the very beginning, like pre-Snow White, and and pretty much worked (laughs) there till they they were like at that retirement age of whatever that is, 60s or something. And But this one guy, one of the nine old men, Ward Kimball, um, he not only uh, animated on these films and did storyboarding and came up with tons of great gags and designed characters like he designed um, Jiminy Cricket and all these. But but uh, when Disneyland was being made, he helped mm-hmm. with, you know, designing characters and rides. He also ended up, not as much as some of the others, but he did do that. But the other thing he got to do was uh, for the Disney, the the Disney TV show, the the Wonderful World of Disney. He ended up um, uh, doing a lot of shows that were on that. They were things like about Mars or about you know spaceships and stuff. And so he really had like a wide range of of things he did which seems really fun to me to be able to do a lot of yeah. different things um and so he was like a real renaissance man he, he could do a little bit of everything and i i did get to meet him when i was 17 years old by accident because he just happened to be related <laughs> to a friend of mine and and visiting his home and how he collected you know trains and toys and he had a full a full-size train in his backyard that worked uh because oh, wow. him and walt disney were obsessed with trains so <laughs> he would be the first guy the second guy which i don't even know how to pronounce his name but i just think he's so funny and so creative right now is is the guy who wrote the screenplay and directed jojo rabbit he mm-hmm. he uh he won an academy award for best original screenplay and uh he he's done a lot of stuff that that is not just for one um type of genre he he did like um he did a thor movie he did a vampire movie he he's like he's just such a a a creative person that works on a, a bunch of fun different genres so those are those two those are the two people that kind of came to mind right now <laughs> yeah, isn't that a? I think that's a Taika Watiti. Yeah, yeah, he's from New Zealand. I don't know if I'm saying it right. And uh, <laughs> yeah, no, right you, you did say it right. He's from New Zealand, <laughs> and um, he's 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 like Maori, but he also he comes from a Jewish background. His real last name is Cohen, 
And, but he's just one of these guys that I feel is just doing just a lot of really fun, creative things right now. I agree. I really loved his work on, on, uh, on that Thor movie. Yeah. I mean, I know. <laughs> oh, Ragnarok. Yeah. And so, and it's not your kind of regular Marvel superhero movie, you know? So, yeah. but those are those, those, you know, I'm always, I'm, I'm always, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always inspired by what other people's passions and what they're working on. It, it, yeah. it wakes me up and goes, man, I got to do more. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, great. Well, I'll just keep inspiring each other then. Good. I'm inspired. Yeah, uh, this has been so fun. Um, I I have enjoyed this conversation so much. I know Cody has too. Cool. Um, it's been such a treat for for both of us. Nice way to end the week. Nice, yeah. nice way to enter into the weekend. I agree. <laughs> Turn off my. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> Um, well, Matthew, will you tell everyone where they can find you? Um, if you have any sure. social media handles or, um, I know, you know, you've, you've got a website mm-hmm. and if there's any workshops or any speaking engagements that you have that, you know, folks might be, yeah. um, yeah, be able to, to check out. And, and I know you mentioned your book earlier too, but maybe yeah. remind folks where they can find that too. Yeah, sure. So, um, you, you can find me at, MatthewLunnStory.com. So, just my name with story at the end.com. That's my website. And then um, I, I, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter, and and uh, it's basically just Matthew Lunn. There's not too many Matthew Lunns out there. And <laughs> and then yeah, my book is called The Best Story Wins, and you can find that on Amazon. It's also at Jeffrey's Toys in San Francisco, uh, but um but if yeah if you go to my website and just kind of click on that book uh you'll see it there that'll that'll lead you to it and then uh i'm not currently um uh having a seminar or uh, a workshop for the public but you can always uh go to my website and click the contact page if you're interested in uh holding one at your company or your school or or whatever organization so you can find me out there. I'm I'm out there on the internet. <laughs> You'll find me. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again so much. Uh, my um again, again, I, I really appreciate you making the time and um yeah, hopefully maybe we'll we'll get to meet each other actually in, in person one day. That would be awesome. Okay. Well, <laughs> great talking with you guys and everybody out there. Turn off your devices on the weekend. Let creativity flow. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> all right. Absolutely. All right. And uh, and for for all the listeners too, just um, you know, make sure to if you are enjoying the podcast, you enjoyed this episode, you'll make sure to subscribe to the podcast. And uh, if you feel so inclined to give it a rating, that helps other listeners you know, have access or or um, get exposure to the podcast so any ability to share it would be greatly appreciated and thanks everyone for listening Ooh.